gentle listeners to this episode of Overcaffeinated with Attitude. I'm your host, Lady Wit I mean Caitlin, and I'm here with our diamond of the season, Ms. Laurel Riz. So, um, you're engaged. I'm engaged! I can't believe it. So, you are truly our diamond of the season. Yes. I feel like there's nothing more appropriate than talking about the most popular love story, um, of course, Nate and uh, Laura. Coming at you, fall 2023. Woo! Woo! Um, but I just think this is the perfect time to talk about, like, the romance that swept the nation, like Bridgerton. It's been... All that was on people's minds, I think, during the pandemic... It was Tiger King and Bridgerton, right? I would agree with that, for yeah. sure. And then season two came back in hot. People weren't sure if they were going to love it. And I have to say, I really loved it. Yeah. So I got on this train late, as we do with most things. You're like, you're watching this. And I'm like, okay. I could be doing a lot of other things with my time. Like, I don't know. Staring off into space. Knitting. Brooding. Brooding. Being moody. Being a moody bitch. Being but at a ball. At a ball? Yes. But um, I decided to watch Bridgerton, and I am highly obsessed with all of it. I like the men. They're mostly, most, mostly the men. Mostly the men. I'm here for the men. Well, and Simone, Simone Ashley, but we'll get to that. Yeah, <laughs> we will get there. <laughs> but um, a little backstory, I guess, um, on the Regency era in which this does take place. It takes place in the 1800s mm-hmm. um, in England. So you pulled up a list of rules of Regency courtship. Is that what it is? Yes. Um, so I kind of wanted to go over just a few of the crazy rules that they went through in high society. Um, right. So we're both betrothed, but um, <laughs> if we were trying to find a match in the Regency era, what would we have to do? Well, we wouldn't do anything. It would be the man's, or the gentleman's job to pursue us, and then we would have to, I guess, speak in innuendo, um, or, you know, show that we weren't too interested in the prospect of uh, marriage. So... Tell me more. Men and women couldn't touch. The only times that they really were able to were, you know, in ball situations when they were dancing together, or if, you know, say a gentleman was helping with a woman in or out of a carriage, or um, helping her mount a horse, or, you know, something of that nature. Um, But otherwise, gentlemen kept their hands to themselves in order to not put her in a compromising position. And then also, they couldn't go anywhere without a chaperone. So did that include public situations too? So they literally could not go anywhere without a chaperone? Correct. I know. Is and I think today and by today's standards, like that's just so weird. Like Yeah, the two adults need a chaperone. Two, well I they well, we looked up that the common age for yeah. women to consent to marriage was I believe twelve. Twelve. And then for men, it was 14. Which Um, is... Which is crazy to think about (laughs) because with everything we know about science, like, males and females don't really... Their brains aren't fully developed until age 25. Right. Um, And and that just is is insane to me that you would be making these 
huge life choices and you weren't even out of your teenage years. Like, I just can't really imagine that. Right. So I think it was probably more common for, like, later teens to marry, but it is actually kind of, like, stomach-turning to think about that. Like, a a 12 and a 14-year-old can technically get married during the Regency era. And gentlemen required protection from being trapped into matrimony, and ladies needed to be guarded from becoming attached to men who are not honest with their intentions towards them. Um, So basically, like, it was just this whole cat and mouse game, um, which is, is, is really fascinating because since women had to wait um, to be pursued, uh, they never really put themselves out there. But I'm sure, like, the mamas of, you know, really played a part in, you know, trying to push their daughters in front of the most, most wealthy um, and successful suitors. So would it be fair to say that, like, Kris Jenner is a mama? Oh, yes. For sure, mama. Um, it was not subtle that, you know, <laughs> when Christian Thompson and Khloe Kardashian had their second child, that Pete... Da- it's no coincidence, I should say, that... Um, that Pete Davidson and Kimmy also broke up the same day. Yeah, um, trying to defuse the situation. Yeah, trying to defuse the situation or, you know, add fuel to the Kardashian flame. I'm not sure which... So Kris Jenner is the ultimate mama. Absolutely. And the ultimate chaperone, I think, too. Because you know she's probably <laughs> present for a lot of stuff that she probably shouldn't be. <laughs> so another um, thing was um, putting on a lady's shawl about her shoulders... Um, was also acceptable in a way that they could touch. Um, there's this one scene in Pride and Prejudice where Darcy is helping Lizzie into the carriage and they touch for the first time. And then he like walks away and he's like um, opening and closing his hands. And I never really understood that scene until I like kind of read these rules that mm-hmm. like that was like a big thing. Like that was like a like, ooh, we touched. Yeah, like second base. Second base. Um, and I think that that's also really weird. What is also really weird is that in the Regency era, it was common for cousins to marry to keep the money within the family um, and, like, the estates and the wealth. Like, to me, that now you think about that and you're like, well, that's kind of incest. Um, mm-hmm. But for back then, it was very common. Yeah, it, sh- it shocks me how recently you can track back those kind of marriages because you'd you'd think that that would have been done away with way way earlier and at the end of the day it was pretty much a business arrangement um so whether it was property dowry dowries fortunes um you know those are all you know were acceptable reasons to marry and among the wealthy obviously there is a lot of property you know a lot of old families and so, like, I feel like that whole part of history has been really interesting to think about. Right. And, I mean, do you think it'd be fair to say that the more wealthy took it as a business investment where some of the lower class people took it as, like, a necessary way to survive? I mean, I'm assuming that there were a lot of lower class marriages that, you know, even though they were marrying within their social standing, kind of relied on those dowries to keep afloat. Whereas, you know, the Regency royals that we like to see in Bridgerton were kind of doing this to kind of make money moves. Yes. 
And what's interesting, too, is that eloping back then was a huge scandal. Mm. Um, because when a couple was engaged, they were engaged for quite a while before they actually um, got married. I believe that they had to read um, the Bannons at least three times in church um, for the couple in order for the the engagement to be official, and then they would move past the Bannons, and then they would, um, you know, obviously start planning their wedding. So mm. being, you know, running away and eloping... Um, was almost like unheard of or you know you would be ruined forever um, right because it was probably suggesting scandal yeah. why couldn't you wait to be married correct it couldn't have been love correct it couldn't have been love it usually was because you know they got carried away and you know they had sex or intercourse or however you want to say it but <laughs> um, and that there was like in a child on the way um, so that would ruin you know, a woman's prospects and her reputation forever. Um, and then it would ruin the whole family's name because that's just how it worked back then. Like, what affected one young lady affected the whole entire family. And then, you know, people would gossip because there was nothing else to do. Um, and then they would just be, you know... Then, you know, she couldn't, you know, marry or remarry after after eloping because they took, you know, I guess virginity very seriously. Yeah, I mean, that's a lot of what a woman had to offer was, you know, staying pure until marriage and once she was engaged in marriage, just being the perfect homemaker, so she didn't really have anything else. Although, we did read in another article, I think it was from Ranker, that, you know, women of society were taught, even though their purpose was kind of getting married and having children, to have other skills so that they were an interesting woman. Right, a lot of them, um, you know, instruments, um, or painting, or singing, or, you know, an array of other um, activities. I mean, most men, I think, wanted their women to be well-read and educated, but obviously not too educated. Like, it, just a double standard was crazy for men and women back then. Um, and, I, and I just think that that's so interesting, because today... You know, we look at Bridgerton and we're like, oh, like, like, why isn't, you know, real life like this? Like, why mm -hmm. did we ever get away from this? And it's kind of like, well, like, like, it's because it's important for, you know, women also to be recognized as, you know, thinking, feeling people. Right. <laughs> Humans. As much as it is candy for the brain to, like, watch this show, I think it is also important to be like, oh, yeah, there's a reason why we don't live our life like that any longer. Although I do think that men can try a little harder when they're flirting. I mean, obviously this doesn't affect me now, um, being engaged. But, like, I just think that, like, if you're a man out there in the dating world, you know, put a little effort in. Yeah. Like, don't just be like, oh, like, you know. What's up, baby girl? What's up, baby girl? You, you know, are you a freak or whatever? Like, like actually try. Like, actually, like, <laughs> maybe ask her what her interests are mm -hmm. or, like... Her hobbies, um, that's a good place to start. Right. Subtlety can go a long way. Yeah. To build up to. Or innuendo, like, the back and forth, like, I don't know, just, I think that men just have to work for a relationship a little harder. Yeah. Whatever that relationship could be. Exactly. So, Bridgerton is about a very close-knit family, um, the, with the Bridgerton family name. And they all are attempting to find love. I know, this is not The Bachelor, it's Bridgerton. <laughs>
It kind of felt like it was, like, a game show at some points. Like It really did. They kind of, like, really leaned into it. And also, I feel like all of the costumes were, like, candy. Mm-hmm. There was just so many places that you could look. Mm-hmm. And you were never bored. No. Yeah, it was a good way to look at it. And I think it catches you off guard. At least it caught me off guard, the tone of the show. Because I think when I had first stepped into it, um, given the time period that it is in, which we'll get into a little bit more, I thought it was going to be more stern, serious. I heard about all the steaminess. But it is like a fair amount of campy. Like there's a lot of it that's supposed to be pretty funny or kind of almost mocking high society at some points. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I I don't think that they take themselves too seriously. Mm -hmm. However, it's in a wholesome, funny way. Mm -hmm. I feel like it's not, I don't know. I feel like with a lot of shows lately, you're just like, why are they cursing so much? Right. Why is there so much sex? Like, I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, a good sex scene is a good sex scene. But, like, I don't know. Like, where is, like, the buildup? Like, where is, like, the angst? You know, will they, won't they? Like, I love that dynamic. Like, I... That's why I'm obsessed with, like, Dawson's Creek, um, Mm -hmm. Felicity, like, these really old shows. These really old shows. (laughs) Well, I mean, (laughs) I was born in 92. I was born in 90, but I feel like (laughs) when you say that, that makes it seem like we're very old. I know, well, we're we're elder millennials. (laughs) But, no, I get what you mean. It's like, when I was coming into this show... I really thought, like, all I heard about was the sex scenes. They're like, it's so steamy and so sensual. And I was like, oh, like, this is going to be something where I'm just going to be like, okay, let's skip over it. Kind of like when we were talking about, like, 365 days. Yeah. I'm like, okay, let's go. And I feel like everything strives to be, like, very edgy anymore, if that's, like, the thing. Just very, like, oh, always, like, intense and very passionate and very graphic. And, like, this took me by surprise where, like, there was some pretty intense sexual situations but at the same time everything felt very light and when those situations came about I think the reason why those were like everybody was talking about how steamy they were is because there was that build-up like those those people you really felt invested into their relationship instead of just like ah these two people are going at it now like there was like a reason to show it exactly and I think it shows intimacy in a way that we're a lot of people aren't just familiar with anymore like Mm -hmm. it it shows intimacy in a way that is not physical but very emotional and obviously in Bridgerton they did not have television internet or dating apps so there was like a lot of scheming there was a lot of um croquet or cricket or what do they call it they call it something (sighs) in the show I I forget what they called it in the show, but it was basically, like... Croquet. Croquet. Um, I don't know. I just feel like there was maybe a more romantic way of living, where Mm -hmm. you were really actually present in the moment, and you weren't just, you know, wondering when your lift is going to get here because this guy is super boring. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you were constantly engaged in whatever was happening, whether it was good, bad. You had to actively live life. Instead of, like, passively living life. Exactly. Whether it was important or not. Like, you can say that these people are swept up in high society and it's really just, like, mind-numbing because, like, the affluence is, like, outstanding even for, like, today's standards. Like, we would not live like this, but... I mean, I would love a little garden party. (laughs) I mean, With some tea and some, you know, (laughs) cucumber sandwiches. Like, let's... Let's Let's go. Let's go. (laughs) Let's do that. Let's just have a Bridgerton-themed 
um, bridal shower. Don't tempt me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, I still have 15 months. That's a lot of planning to do. Um, However, so where do you want to start? Do you want to start with the sexy men? Do you want to start with Mm. their sibling relationship? Mm. Um, Where do you want to start? Do you want to start season one? Yes. we should start from there. Let's start with the Duke. The Duke. The Duke. I just think of Moulin Rouge. (gasps) Oh, yes. (laughs) The sparkling diamonds. Um, Yes. Anyway. Anywho. Anywho. Um, So, season one uh, follows Daphne and Simon. Now, I read the first book, mm-hmm. and it's there's a few differences um, in the book than in the movie. Um, it was a, It's been a while since I read the book, but basically, um, Daphne and the Duke have a fake romance mm-hmm. to help both their statuses, so he doesn't have to deal with all of the thirsty mamas. The mamas. The mamas. And she could look attractive to other suitors because, hello, he's a duke. Duh. Duh. So it's the perfect scam, really. And I loved that part of it, where they were literally just making fun of all these vapid people that just were so invested in making themselves higher in society, and the two of them were just so uninterested. Even though Daphne's endgame was marrying and having children, and the Duke was to, I don't know, we'll get there. Well, also the Duke had some baggage. Um, so <laughs> Lots of baggage. Lots of baggage. Um, he had some daddy issues. Um, his mom died during childbirth, which his dad was kind of a dick about, if I must be honest. Like, yeah. he was just like, give me a son. Right. And then... He got she, one. He got one, but she, she dies. And that's so sad. And then poor Simon had a speech impediment. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the book really, really emphasized this, where I don't think the Netflix series did so much, only because of time. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was really affected, you know, having a speech impediment, having um, daddy issues. His dad, like, kind of rejected him because he couldn't speak, you know, fluently or mm-hmm. affluently. Like, he just was a very shy, um, humble kid. So that that comes up, and that's, like, an issue between him and Daphne. And you kind of just see, like, he is, like, really resisting falling in love with her throughout the whole season. And then, I, don't, I mean, if you haven't seen Bridgerton, then, you know, no spoilers, but... There's going to be spoilers. There's going to be spoilers. <laughs> yeah. They eventually end up together um, through a scandal. Um, she is compromised in the garden <gasps> because they kiss. And there's some boob touching. Ugh. And, um, yeah, they eventually get together, and their false pretenses turn into real pretenses. Right. And they fall in love. And it's beautiful. Well, except for the fact that he will not jizz inside of her. (laughs) Because he does not want to have children. Which Which adds to the baggage. Right. But it all brings it to this beautiful, like, we'll get to the baggage of Simon, because, wow, It was a lot to handle. He was a very intense person. And I think it goes back to what we were speaking with off of the recording. Like, all the characters bordered on, like, parodies, but in a way that was, like, really enticing, where I really felt like I was sitting there, like, reading a romance novel next to a window. Like, I felt, like, you can feel the narration of who the Duke was. Like, you can almost, like, feel someone, like describing this character in the way he was dark he was 
you know, troubled, and it just, they gave a real clear picture of who these characters were. They built this world that really made you feel like you were stepping into a romance novel, and that made it really compelling. All of Simon's baggage with Daphne, and that kind of, like you said, will they, won't they kind of situation, really made the buildup of them actually getting together more worthwhile. It made when his problems were coming out and his insecurities and the things that he did to betray Daphne and vice versa, it really felt like you had skin in the game. Like it actually mattered. Whereas like when we watched something like 365 days, I was like, what the hell am I watching? <laughs> There's definitely no character builds. There's definitely no, no like, you're like, I don't understand. You're, you're lost when you watch yeah. shows like that with like 365 yeah. days. You're like, I don't know what's going on. Yeah. I don't know how these people are still together. They what seem, are their motivations? What are their motivations? They seem really toxic. Like, mm-hmm. she seems like a vapid bitch, and mm-hmm. he just seems like an abuser. Like, right. what the hell is going on? But there was so much nuance in the character building here. Like, every person had, like, at least two layers to their motivations, like, what drove them. And I thought that was really crazy because, you know, going back to it, Simon gives Daphne the impression that he can't have children. But it's that he won't have children. Correct. Yeah. And um, because of her very large lack of any knowledge about how babies are born when she gets married, she has no idea that he is just not completing the act, which leads to a very uncomfortable scene in this show. And you said, was it more or less, was that included in the book? It was included in the book. Um, So basically Daphne... I don't even know how to say it. Like, basically, like, forces herself on Simon so he, they make babies the right way. Yeah. Refuses <laughs> to... Refuses to... Um, get off get Simon. Get off Simon uh, with the withdrawal method. Um, <laughs> and she ends up pregnant in the book. Mm-hmm. And she, like, runs away for a while and then he, like, wins her back. But in the movie, I think their fight only lasts, like, 10 minutes and then they get back together right and he she doesn't cross that line well no she does yeah yes i'm i'm completely because then there's that is she is she not with child sort of thing but even in there like you you feel for him like in a way i was like wow like i understand why he doesn't want to have kids well also i mean i think we should just kind of talk about consent here yeah you know i I feel like that that scene was weird like i when I read it in the book, I really had a problem with it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. The first time I watched Bridgerton, I thought that Daphne looked really young to me. Yeah. Um, and obviously, like, I guess in, you know, Regency era, she should be, like, you know, 16, 17, 18, maybe younger. Mm-hmm. Or maybe even she was 14 in the book. I have no idea. But it's just, I don't know. It's weird. It, it's it's not okay to do that to your partner. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. I just feel like they're maybe, maybe not a trigger warning, but, like, mm-hmm. I just feel like that probably should have been addressed in, like, some kind of press because it, it kind of seems like there's, like, a gray area with consent there, mm-hmm. and I just, I just really kind of had a problem with it. Yeah, no, I felt very odd watching it. I felt like something, I I felt like you said that there should have been some kind of caution warning or something because I think that was something where he was clearly saying, like, stop, like, you know? And I think in the grand scheme of the story, I guess 
it was something where both of them worked through, but it was almost like... I don't know if I appreciated that that was, like, the conflict that... That was the conflict, yeah. And it was almost like they were suggesting that he had equal blame in it because he wasn't honest with her, which, yeah, sure, but I don't think that that was necessarily the issue there. Like, she was doing something that her partner wasn't comfortable with. Right. So I just feel like there should have been some talk of what does consent mean? Mm-hmm. Like, no means no. I don't know. I, 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 I didn't really think, I don't think that, I think that everyone kind of like skipped over that. Mm-hmm. And then they just cared about them getting together. Right. At the end. Right. Now, in contrast, like, I thought their wedding night was very just romantic. I was waiting on bated breath. I was just like, this is amazing. Like, honestly, beautiful, amazing, like, um, but then that kind of, like, put a sour note on it. Like, that made it, it uncomfortable. Yeah. It did. But... Also, I think that we should we should talk about how the actor who portrays Simon mm-hmm. is not doing any more Bridgerton shows. Yeah, he's he done. He has no interest. Pa- Reggae Jean Page. <laughs> yes, but he, I mean, he's given press where he had no, like, animosity towards the show, but he was just done he he did not like the fame that came along with it and it makes me sad that he has no interest in continuing it at all i wish he'd make some cameos because i love the duke he was the pinnacle of the first season for me i think he was so beautiful you just want to sing what a man what a man what a man what a man do the Duke. Do the Duke. <laughs> the Duke. The Duke. Uh, he just, he was so beautiful. He was. I loved him. I didn't have a mu- as much of a problem as you did with Daphne. I didn't think she seemed that prepubescent. I don't know. She, she... I mean, I guess in contrast to him, because he was such a man. Yeah. She was very petite and small. And, like, her sister Eloise seemed older than she did. Um... So that was like something to me. Most of her brothers seemed older than her when I think only Anthony was. Anthony. 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 Oh, Anthony. Wait until we get to Anthony. Yes. What a snack and a half. Mm. He's a rice crispy treat of a man. (laughs) I'd like to snap, crackle, and pop him. So season two. Oh, let's get to it because that was my favorite. That honestly was. Um, that's what it really. Chef's up. kiss. Mm. Prime Regency. I okay. So I when I reach watch season one, I was mm. like Anthony, hello, hello, hi beautiful. Because like you, I feel like you kind of they did a really good job of portraying him, mm-hmm. but also making it a layer. So like you kind of knew that he was, like, going to be next to find love, mm-hmm. but you still were so focused on Daphne and Simon that he wasn't distracting. Right. But then season two comes, and you're just like, please always, you know, fall into a pond and come out <laughs> with a wet white shirt on, which I... is totally a uh, Colin Firth moment mm-hmm. to the original Pride and Prejudice. Yes! I appreciate it. Yes. What a little morsel that they threw in. I just... Colin Firth. Oh, man. He was hot. He, back back in the day. Mm-hmm. In a different way now. Like, in a zaddy kind of yeah, way. Yeah, now he's a zaddy. Yeah. But 
you know, back when he was in Bridget Jones's diary. Mm. Very hot. Muy bueno. But, um, so Antony, I didn't think was super, like, like you said, you were so captivated with everything to do with Daphne that he didn't really seem like anything but an overbearing brother to me. I didn't really care. But then, um, in this season, his whole narrative, everything from beginning to end with him made me fall in love with him. His, we get to hear a little bit about, unfortunately, how the patriarch of the Bridgerton family was lost, which literally made me cry. I thought that was so heartbreaking that Anthony, like, I felt the panic that he felt, like, having to deal with his father's death. And Bridgerton also leaves, like, a ton of little Easter eggs for you, because Mm -hmm. if you notice in the opening scene of season um, one, episode one, there's, like, a bee that flies onto the door handle. Oh, my gosh. And so, like, you see a lot of, like, bees in throughout Bridgerton, because that's, you know, it's kind of like a red cardinal, you know? It's, like, their father, like, visiting (laughs) them. Just coming at them. Just coming at them. And then I think, um... I think I read somewhere where the colors that they wear are, like, who, like, the couples are. Because mm-hmm. I think that you saw um, Simone Ashley's character mm-hmm. in, like, a lot of purple. Yes. She was in a lot of purples, a lot of, like, deep teals, which I just thought complimented her. Her brown eyes in some of the scenes were just, like... Captivating. S- captivating is the only word for it. Like... The character design and the costume design for the women, outstanding, honestly. I have to say, though, in romance novels, the enemies to lovers storyline is a favorite of mine. (laughs) Um, Because you know that eventually, they're gonna fall in love. (laughs) Even though they, like, secretly pretend to hate each other, there's just, like, so much, like, passion build up between Mm -hmm. um, Antony and, what is her name? Kate. Kate. Oh my god. Kate Sharma. Kate Sharma. And also, I really appreciate that um, they really portray, you know, the Indian culture. Um, they definitely have some moments where it's just really beautiful. Uh, when they're putting, I forget what the ceremony is called, but... The, before the, the wedding. Before the, the wedding. wedding night. Yeah. yeah. I don't know what that's called, but, you know, when they were doing, you know, the, the um, yellow... Mm-hmm. Um, is it they, clay? I think it's like clay or paste. Like mm-hmm. it's like supposedly I think to bring like good fortune to the couple. I should probably fact check that one. Yeah, um, I remember in the context of the show. I don't know the actual tradition, but they said it would it would bring good fortune, yeah. and then that's why Edwina, who is Kate's younger sister, who is getting married to Antony, scandal. Yeah, that doesn't happen in the books. Appar- really? Apparently. Yeah. Oh, I I want to read that one. So that one's I called the too. Viscount that loved me, right? Yes. Oh. Mm, the Viscount. But, um, yeah, so Miss Edwina Sharma and Miss Kate Sharma, for some context, scaling it back, come to England um, under the sponsorship of Lady Danbury. Lady Danbury. So they come uh, under the sponsorship of Lady Danbury. And um, there's multi-levels to the Sharmas and their motivations for being there. Um, they need money. Yeah, it comes down to money. Um, Kate brings this scheme into action where she's going to have her sister marry, of course, for love, because that's all Edwina wants is to marry for love. But in that, she will marry someone in high society and ultimately bring them money um, from a trust fund from their mother's 
parents who Correct. are dicks. Yes, correct. <laughs> um, and then, of course, Antony's mom, like, the badass she is, is like, he's ready to marry, ladies. And then they all swarm him at a ball, and he's just like, cool, mom. Thanks, mom. Thanks, mom. <laughs> and he has all these requirements for his wife mm -hmm. because he has very high standards. Mm -hmm. And then he, you know, sees Awina, and they... See, she he she checks off a lot of boxes. But he was he was truly just looking for someone to check those boxes so it would fill a role for his family and make them all comfortable. It had nothing to do with what he wanted in a wife as far as love or anything like that. He was just interested in keeping himself in a comfortable position in society, which is pretty sad. For him and Edwina, because Edwina is this beautiful young girl who I think in this season, um, like you said with Daphne in the first season, is intentionally pretty young looking. Like yes. Edwina looks very young compared to her sister. Correct. Um, and because her sister is supposed to be like the quote unquote like spinster. spinster at 26 years old. Yeah. Holy oh, shit. Oh lord. <laughs> But can you imagine? But yeah, um, both very beautiful women, but I think she intentionally looked a lot younger and a lot more juvenile on purpose. Yeah, you know, that makes a lot of sense that you say that, and I definitely would agree with you on that. Yeah, because Edwina was very juvenile. She was very naive. She just wanted to find her prince or her viscount, and um, she was kind of blind to all of the undertones or more devious doings of society. Um, while she was looking for her prince. So her and Kate Kate, um, are going back to what we were saying. The reason why we brought this up, this portion, is because we were talking about the um, representation of that ceremony before uh, the wedding. I think that was pretty cool. So Edwina goes ahead and puts clay or um, paste on um kate's face to signify that hopefully she'll find her true love i believe it's like a turmeric it is a hall it's called haldi paste mm -hmm. um it is it is turmeric that's what makes it yellow mm -hmm. um and it's, it comes in a paste form the before the wedding the haldi which is turmeric powder rose water or water and sandalwood powder is applied to the bride and groom's body parts. Um, and it is said that whoever gets touched by this paste is soon to find a good-looking partner. And then the bride and family members of the bride and the groom wash off the haldi, which reveals a natural glow and purification for the couple. I mean, that's pretty beautiful. I just like that they are bringing other cultures in besides what, I guess, the quote-unquote standard American would know. Mm-hmm. Um... I always have been interested in different cultures. I always think that when they incorporate things like that, it really just brings, I think, awareness to the culture and like a just a respect for a different culture that um, I think that hasn't really been seen in typical quote unquote Hollywood. Mm -hmm. um, because usually, when you know there are ethnic women in and depicted in films and you know movies and shows, mm -hmm. um, they're on you know, a scale. Like, typically, like, unfortunately, like, I feel like the more light-skinned you are, the more likely you would be popular mm -hmm. in, you know, casting. I'm not saying that's right. I think that's really wrong, but here we are. Right. And I think that Bridgerton does a really good job of just showing different actors and just showing um, representation from all types of culture and diversity. 
Right. And uh, I think to your point, two things I think it does well. I mean, I don't have a lot of say as a cishet white woman, but um, just from what I've seen in culture, two things I think Bridgerton does really well is it doesn't put a pressure on women that aren't white to be anything else but living in this same world, which is great. And when it does bring up different cultures or it's not... Okay, what I mean to say is it's not colorblind. Like, they're not putting these characters in there and making them all live the same life or the same experience. Correct. Um, So, to your point, they are bringing in subtle moments of, you know, the Indian culture in season two, which I think is great. Um, There are parts of African culture, I think, subtly in the Queen's um, wigs, which I think are super beautiful and subtle things like that, where it's not a virtue signaling thing. They're not trying to bookend diversity into a show. It's just naturally good story writing where they really want to include these things, um, to make it more compelling and make these characters seem more lifelike because this is typically a person that would really exist, which I think is great. And I think it's important to show that diversity because I know growing up with, you know, um, certain shows, I just felt like there was no one who really looked like me mm-hmm. and and seeing, you know, something like Bridgerton where, where it's like, I guess skin color is there, but it's just portrayed in a really wholesome, beautiful way. Mm-hmm. That's really nice. And I think that Simone Ashley is absolutely stunning. She is gorgeous. I cannot wait to see what else Mm -hmm. she does with her career after Bridgerton. But yeah, I just think that it's really nice to see diverse actors in a really popular show. Right. No, and I I think the more that shows take the Bridgerton approach, it's just better storytelling. It's just better stories are being told. And I think that the diversity... And maybe you were trying to say this, or it's mm-hmm. not distracting. It's right. It's you know you still are watching their love story. You're still mm-hmm. so intrigued with them as a couple because they're just so you know beautiful together. Mm-hmm. I mean, Anthony and Kate are just like, whew, whew. <laughs> that, that scene in the gazebo, like that was steamy. Oh. <laughs> that was that was definitely. I w- that was steamy. That was steamy. But the part that really got to me and really, like, showed their love, there were so many times where you were just like, oh, my God. Like, they just, you really thought they were in love with one another. Um, but the most beautiful moment I saw, um, and not to get away from our conversation on diversity, but with Kate and Anthony, when she calmed him down from a panic attack and helped him not, like, hyperventilate when she was stung by a bee... She puts her hand, his hand on her chest so that he can hear her heartbeat. But it's so sensual, but so beautiful because not only was it like sexy in a way, but she really cared about him. She really wanted him to be okay. But there was something so amazing about that. And then you're like, that's the hottest shit I've ever seen. <laughs> like, So apparently what I've heard from the book is that she gets stung by the bee Mm -hmm. and he like sucks the venom out of her breast and it doesn't look good. And so she, someone comes upon them and she is compromised. So then Antony has no choice but to save her reputation and get engaged to her. Mm -hmm. But I think that the scene that made me feel the most feels was the wedding scene. 
mm-hmm. when she drops her, her bangle. Her, yeah, her bangle mm-hmm. drops off, and you just watch them both fall. It felt like watch it fall to the ground. You see the sister finally, Edwina, realize that there's something there. You see Edwina, you know, really hurt, and, and it's like a really sad moment because I feel like. It, in the film, like, they pit kind of woman against woman. Like, mm-hmm. they pit, like, sister against sister, which, I don't know, we can come back to that. Maybe that, like, I don't know how you feel about, like, I typically feel like women are very, like, competitive anyway. Mm-hmm. But, like, I don't know how you would have told that story otherwise. Like, I don't really know if you needed um, Edwina in the story to move it along. I don't know. Like, I feel like it would have been a much shorter season. And maybe that's where, like, it would probably would have been, like, an hour movie. I think there could have been other conflict than Edwina losing her innocence, pretty much. You see her, like, really turn from a child to a woman in her, like, a really kind of depressing way. She has it ripped from her that, you know, at one point she tells Kate, like, do fairy tales even exist? Like, you read me these stories. Like, are they all nonsense, pretty much? And it's just so sad to see this woman that had such ideals for her life and it's all just gone in that moment when she realizes that Kate and Anthony are just in love with each other. Um, and eventually she grows into, like, a very mature person. And I think, like, Edwina's one of the most human characters. Even though Kate and Anthony are just so hot together. Like, you really feel for her. She really has a progression and builds as a character. Where others, you know, they stay on a level. I don't think they're one-dimensional by any means, but she has a lot of character growth. But it's kind of depressing in that way that she had to have her whole life crumble in order to be, you know, raised up again. What I liked about how she matured quickly was just that um, you just see her... It was almost like a flip switch. Like Yeah, you see a, f- you see a flip switch. Switch flipped. <laughs> switch flipped, yeah. You see a switch flipped, and you see her not be the people pleaser that she Mm -hmm. was kind of raised to be. You see her, you know, go through, you know, at least 20 different emotions in that moment where, you know, she's sad, she's angry, like, she loves her sister, you know, she's disappointed in her sister. Um, You see all these really beautiful moments, and they're heartbreaking, um, but you just have all the feels for her because mm-hmm. you're like, wow, that's shitty. Like, I don't know how it would feel if that happened to me. You know, also, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> how dare Anthony? And how dare just, you? How dare you? Like, how rude. Like, this is supposed to be my wedding day. Yeah, and at first, like, you, your knee-jerk reaction, because you're so, like, invested in Anthony and Kate, or just, like, get over it, Edwina. But can you imagine, can you imagine, just, like, your groom is on the wedding day and just, like, looks at one of your bridesmaids and is like, hey, baby girl, like, hey, baby girl, like, what's up? Like, I would be furious, probably ten times more over than, than Edwina was. I think she controlled herself. She did control herself very well. <laughs> I would not control myself as much. No, I mean, and also weddings are expensive. The queen hosted this wedding. Well, I mean, not everyone has a queen. No, I'm saying, like, it was cheap for them, but holy shit, like, that are, those are some big stakes. Yeah. The queen is did like, you you're see, my diamond. Yeah, and did you see, I feel like there was, like, so many, like, sculptures there was, like, that huge-ass wedding cake. Oh, my God. And you're just, I, I'm just like, ugh. 
what a waste. But, I mean, people still, like, partied, and they just, yeah. like, went to the reception anyway. While Which they were great. Which, they, when they were trying to figure out whether or not, like, Edwina and Antony were still going to get married. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there was, like, that, like, weird, like, closet scene where, like, Kate <laughs> is, like, hiding in the closet. Chilling. Just chilling. <laughs> And Antony, like, storms in, and she's like, you have to leave. Like, yeah. what are you doing? You're killing my vibes. You're killing my vibes. <laughs> you should be consoling my sister. Like, what the actual F? Yeah, yeah. Just like a man. But also, <laughs> what a man, what a man, what a man, what a sex of my hand. Ugh, so st- <laughs> so steamy. So steamy. But then, like, okay, I liked season one. I mean season two better than season one. But I kind of thought it was ridiculous. I was also crushed. I had very, a lot of emotions. But, like, after the wedding, then Kate falls off a goddamn horse. Oh, my God, yeah. That was, <laughs> that was like, I, I gasped. I, I think I gasped out loud. I was like, <gasps> no. what, girl? And then she's in a coma? Yeah, she's in a coma. That's one way for your sister it's to forgive like you, I guess. It's like Regency Telenueva. Like, it was a lot to handle. I was just waiting for the twin to arrive. <laughs> I don't know. Like, the evil, like, twin. I don't... Yes, there was the an evil... evil Kate. There was an evil Kate that comes over from India and spoils the whole affair. Yeah. Amazing. That would have been something. That After been all something. of this, like, on the wedding day of Kate and Antony. Yeah. Here comes the evil twin. Right? Mm. So. <laughs> Just saying, Bridgerton, if you, you want to pay me to be a screenwriter, I totally would do it. Yes. Shonda Rhimes, or is that her name? I think so. Of, of, um, Grey's Anatomy, right? Same person. Is it? Yeah. I never watched Grey's Anatomy. It's kind of the same kind of ridiculous that, um, Bridgerton is. I really liked it for a while. There's too many seasons. I don't know what's happening anymore. But it's kind of like that same thing where you get, like, really invested in the characters, but you can't take it too seriously because it's kind of ridiculous at the same time. I heard that Dreamy died, and I don't know, I didn't even watch it, and I'm just like, is that... Is that it's it? It's supposed to mean anything. But then, like, if I watch it and I already know that, like, isn't that spoiled for me? I don't know. I was never big into it, but it's definitely, she has a type of writing. We have a champagne tower! Woo! Pop that bubbly! Pop that bubbly! I know, hopefully we don't, like, shatter it. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, we definitely won't. Okay, so we found the quiz to end all quizzes from BuzzFeed. Are your Bridgerton opinions the same as everyone else's? Okay. I'll read the questions. <clears throat> to start, do you prefer the book series or the Netflix adaption of Bridgerton? Netflix, I guess. I've never watched any of the... I mean, I've never read any of the books. <laughs> um, I definitely think books just because... Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know. It's, it's a hard tie. I'm going to do a hard tie on that one. Even though, even though BuzzFeed will not let me do that, <laughs> I'm going to do a hard tie. Um, which family would you rather be a part of? Bridgerton or Featherington? Bridgerton. Come on. The Featheringtons are the wannabes. They are such wannabes. They're I feel, thirsty. They're the thirstiest. Although, Lady Brid, uh, Featherington. She's a badass. Although, how, okay, can we just pause and talk about how she, like, was hooking up with, like, a 12-year-old, like, in the second season? Do you remember that? Who? She was, like, hooking up with, like, her cousin. Oh, the Lord? Yeah. He wasn't 12? He wasn't 12, but I think in, like... I don't know. He just was very young. Yeah, it was kind of gross. It was really gross. <laughs> okay. Who's the best Bridgerton brother? Antony, Benedict, Colin, or Gregory? 
I feel like like BuzzFeed is just like let's like pick the most basic questions mm-hmm. and go from there. I think Benedict. I love him. I don't know why. I like that he's artistic mm-hmm. and he represents both masculine and feminine vibes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he is my favorite, but most attractive probably Anthony. Oh yeah. But this is the best brother. Mm, so Benedict. But So to me, that's Benedict because, I mean, Anthony's kind of a dick. Mm-hmm. Colin's kind of a child, and the other one is legitimately a child, and I don't really think has a part in the show yet. No, not yet. Not for, like, another 12 years. <laughs> um, how fast did you binge the show? Um, a week and a half. <laughs> More than one week. I finished it, I think, in a day. All, two seasons? No, I finished oh. the second season in a day. Yeah. I just didn't have anything to do. It was a Saturday, and I was like, I'm doing it. Let's go. Let's go. What's the most dramatic part of the show? Really, BuzzFeed? All right, anyway, here's your options. Okay. Love, family affairs, sex, and friendships. You know what? I'm going to say love, and we'll take a pause on the quiz for a second. I want to say... I thought there was going to be more sex in the show. Because I saw, like, the the media buzz and the social media buzz before I watched the show, and I was just under the impression that I was going to have to, like, shield my, my pure eyes because there was going to be <laughs> so much indecency. And that was not the case. No, was it, very was very, it was very decent. Yeah. But also very angsty and will they, won't they. Yeah. The sex scenes were definitely It was definitely, like, teasing. Yeah. Which character would have made a good Lady Whistledown? Eloise, Daphne, the Queen, Marina. I guess Eloise. Yeah, I think that she has, like, a reporter in her. Mm-hmm. She has, like, a young reporter, like, very thirsty for knowledge, mm-hmm. very no bullshit. And I believe this is the final question. Ooh. Would you actually consider Simon a rake? I wouldn't. No, I think Simon... He's just too particular about, like, who he, like, loves. Actually, no, there are more questions. I'm sorry. I lied. I lied. Um, Who has the best fashion sense? Simon, Penelope, Daphne, or Colin? Hmm. Daphne. I really liked her gowns. I thought she was very beautiful. I'm upset that Simone Ashley is not in this roundup. Because her costumes were, were outstanding. Outstanding. Like, yeah. better than Daphne's. Oh, 100%. What was your favorite classical cover song? Oh, we Thank never, you, next. We never talked about the music. Let's I talk about the music. absolutely loved the pop music mm-hmm. as instrumental, like, orchestra pieces. So much. Like, I might walk down the aisle to one of those instrumental pieces so vitamin string quartet for years has done that and that's actually the group that was in the show that did it yeah and they do tons of nerdy covers they've done star wars they've done pirates of the caribbean they've done um most famously game of thrones they went super viral for that so when i saw that they were the group i thought that was so cool and i think you should definitely walk down the aisle to one of them But Thank You, Next was probably my favorite. I really like that one, too. Um, there also was, the other options are Bad Guy by Billie Eilish. 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 <laughs> Billie Eilish. Billie Relish. Billie Relish. <laughs> um, Wildest Dreams by Taylor Swift. 
I'm not a huge Taylor Swift fan, I have to be honest. I'm not a Swiftie. I'm not a Swiftie. I'm sorry to all of our Swifties. <laughs> um, and then In My Blood by Shawn Mendes. Yeah, I just, I loved Thank You Next. I thought it was perfectly placed. And I feel like that's so different than any other TV show mm-hmm. that you have. Um, okay, finally, this must be a season one because... Yeah. Yeah. So finally, who does Daphne actually belong with? I mean, I really like the prince. He was kind of hot. Simon. I know. Come on. I was just playing devil's advocate. The prince was okay. What are our results? It didn't give us the results. It just gave us the percentages. Lame. So lame. Okay. So, out of the three Bridgerton brothers, who's the hottest? Anthony. Okay. That white shirt coming out of the water just really... Was the chef's kiss. Mm. Okay. The Duke or Antony? Ooh, can I have both? <laughs> Just like, give, <laughs> give me both. I like how you both, think. Both, please. I like how you think. Um, secondary characters. The new Lord Featherington, or <laughs> I'm doing very bad pairings here. Or the um, social club owner and former boxer. Because can we talk about him? Definitely the boxer. He was was very attractive. attractive. (laughs) And once he became like a social club owner and he was wearing those like suits, I was like, hi, how are you? (laughs) I love a man in a suit. I don't appreciate a man in a bow tie. For some reason, I can't trust men in bow ties. (laughs) Because I have this very um, strong opinion that clowns also wear bow ties. And I do not like clowns. And if you're a man wearing a bow tie, you're, you're probably a clown. A clown. <laughs> so that's my I thought mean, process on that. I mean. <laughs> um, and then I guess out of our main ladies, Daphne or Kate? Kate. Kate. 100%. That was that. That was that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just want to say that I just really appreciate historical pieces for mm-hmm. what they are. I feel like some of them are really crazy and hokey. Um, however, Bridgerton does not fall into that category. Mm-hmm. Um, they somehow made it modern and tasteful mm-hmm. and colorful and wonderful. And I cannot wait uh, until my wedding. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that, you know, we'll be talking about it again. Um, the event actually, of the social yeah, season. the event of the social season. So I guess I should talk about how Nate proposed. It was very cute. Um, in the morning, it was, a, it was about the second day that we got there. Uh, we were going to go sightseeing, um, and he comes down, and he's like, I'm going to bring a change of clothes. And I'm like, why? <laughs> like, I-, I was tired. I was jet-lagged. I was just like, I don't feel like dealing with your shit today. Mm-hmm. Like, like, why are we bringing an extra bag? Like, not thinking that he was, like, carrying an engagement ring in there. Because I thought it was going to happen, like, if it was going to happen on the trip, it would probably happen, like, the last day. Like, mm-hmm. maybe he'd make me wait it out and sweat it out the whole time um, and whatnot, um, because we've been together for 10 years. So, anyway, um, we had a full day of sightseeing. We first went to the Leaning Tower of Pisa, and we saw the cathedral in, P- in Pisa, and it was absolutely gorgeous. Um, I can't, like, I think that... Italy is so historical, mm-hmm. um, and there's just so much to see. There's so many beautiful churches. You really, you know, you really can't go wrong. There's just so much. <laughs> Wherever to, you look, it's amazing. Wherever you look, it's beautiful. I mean, from the sunflower fields 
to the olive trees, mm-hmm. to um, the mountains. When we were flying um, on the way there, we flew over the Alps, the Swiss Alps, uh-huh. and that was really cool to see. Like, it, it, I'm just amazed mm-hmm. by our world. Um, <laughs> so um, we saw the Leaning Tower Pizza, and then I got gelato. Very important to the story, and then because <laughs> um, it was really hot that day, so I of course wore like a t-shirt or not a t-shirt, but like a button-up shirt mm-hmm. um, and jean or and and shorts. And then we went to Luca. Uh, we we climbed this huge tower. Um, meanwhile, he is carrying the backpack. Um, he changes in Luca, um, and somehow it still does not register that like. He might propose. I think I just was so tired and hot. I was like, let's go home. Let's go to the pool. Let's relax. Let's drink wine, whatever. So then we switch cars. So my aunt and my cousin with a camera get into the car, and I still do not realize that he is going to propose. So I'm like, I can't. Still clueless. Still clueless. And I'm like, I can't wait to go home and take a shower. And like, that's like all I wanted to do. So anyway. We pull up to the Piazza di Michelangelo, mm-hmm. which overlooks Florence, and I'm like, oh, like, can we stop here? This place looks so cool. Meanwhile, my two cousins and aunt were completely in on the fact that he was going to propose. <laughs> we start walking past, like, um, a statue, and I'm, like, taking pictures, and then we go over to the Overlook, and it's beautiful. It's, like, scenic. It's, like, the second best view of the day. Um, and then it kind of turns into being my first because Nate, um, comes, he, he comes from behind me and he hugs me and he's like, isn't it great that I'm here with my best friend? Aww. And I'm like, yeah. yeah. And then, um, he's like, and you know, um, isn't it great that like we're here in Italy and then like he turns me around and I'm like, oh shit, I think he's going <laughs> to propose. And then I kind of black out out of everything else he says because I just see this art deco ring and I'm like yes and then I start sobbing um and meanwhile the story later is my cousin Joey he was like working behind the scenes and he was like moving tourists out of the way out of the shot and he's Get like out of the way yeah he's like come here he's about to propose and like the, like everyone just somehow like magically disappears from um, the background of the photo, and, like, you see Nate on one ring, and I've, I'm, of course, like, sobbing and crying, and also being, like, it's so hot out, I wish I wore a different outfit, but, um, (laughs) it was really beautiful, and I just am really happy that he engaged that way, or we got engaged that way, because it was just really cute, um, it, I am excited hearing it the second, third, fourth time. Uh, it, I'm just so excited for you guys. Congratulations again. You truly are the diamond of the season. Thanks. And I can't wait. Um, please, you know, comment and follow us on Spotify. Yeah, definitely. Um, we are going to be starting a YouTube page as well. (gasps) Ooh, excited. And maybe a merch store. Who knows? Oh my God. Well, we do have coffee cups. Yeah. For ourselves. For ourselves. But let us know. Maybe we could hook you up with one. Holla. Represent. Ooh, I would love a t-shirt. Maybe we could we could do a t-shirt at some point. Who knows? There's so many options. So anyway, many options. Um, goodbye. Adieu. Farewell. Uh, I'm your podcast host, Laris. And I'm Caitlin Adams. And this is Overcaffeinated with Attitude. Bye. Bye.